0: We're in Mark 14 this morning. Jesus continues to be with the disciples in our journey through Mark, but we are getting near the end. We will begin together today in verse 12. On the first day, the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of, the disciples, two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house, he enters. The teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat? The Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Would you note with me that there's preparation for this meal? Jesus has an unnamed friend who is prepared to, to receive the two disciples and go before them and, and show them what has already been prepared. There is a, a special room, a, a large room that would have been larger than they normally would have been accustomed to having for the Passover meal. This was a special place that Jesus and the disciples would gather because this was a special meal for the, Jesus and the disciples to share together. And notice the language that the disciples Use in engaging Jesus in this conversation. They say, Jesus, what preparations would you like for us to make for you to have the Passover meal? For you to eat the Passover, Jesus. So the disciples understood that this was important to Jesus. This was really important. This dinner was full of meaning. And I actually love how the text calls it the Lord's Supper. You see, I come from a place where you eat supper in the evening, and you eat dinner at lunchtime. So I resonate with the Lord's Supper being called the Lord's Supper. There was a certain youth group who had a retreat a few years ago, and the the group of kids were so excited about, (laughs) they were so excited about going into the woods to a campsite and, and being together for a few days. They were so wild, running around, jumping, so excited. And their youth pastor was so excited as well. Uh, He was so intent upon this being a very special retreat for the counselors, for the chaperones, for the kids, for everybody. He wanted so badly for this retreat to be meaningful. He literally wore everybody out talking about how meaningful everything was. See that creek over there? That creek is meaningful. See those squirrels? Those squirrels are so meaningful. He literally wore them out. And he went to the students and he said, Hey, on Sunday morning we're going to have a very, very special breakfast. This is going to be a meaningful breakfast. Very meaningful breakfast. You're going to think that you are having communion with the Lord, this breakfast is going to be so. You're going to think that you are down by the Sea of Galilee, boiling fish, eating a meal with Jesus. This breakfast is going to be so meaningful. You just built it up so much. And Sunday morning came and, and they, they went to breakfast and it was honestly kind of awkward. The kids, they didn't really know what to do. One kid, full suit, he wore to breakfast because it was going to be so meaningful. And they sat there and they didn't even know whether they should eat or not. Because what do you do with meaningful eggs? For the disciples to sit with Jesus for the Passover meal was meaningful. Not because they declared it so, but because of what they were celebrating. They were were celebrating the past. They were celebrating how Israelites had been had been rescued from their bondage in Egypt and, and, and taken away and, and given this beautiful covenant from God to take care of them. They were they were celebrating the present. They were celebrating who they believed. They, Jesus had told them, but they really weren't getting it. But they believed it, that they were sitting with the Messiah. They believed that what had been taking place, the authority that we have talked about over the last few weeks that Jesus taught with and just moved around with was was special, that Jesus was special. They believed they were in the midst of something taking place that was really, really meaningful. And they celebrated the future. Because they, they believed that what God had promised to do to make all things new through the Messiah, to rescue all of us, was actually taking place in Jesus. That the Messiah would indeed come and redeem the world. You know, prophets prophets speak for God. Prophets tell about God. Prophets help others see god in their midst prophets help others see what god is up to in their midst and what jesus is doing at this meal is is being a prophet speaking for god and 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 that makes this meal meaningful think about the table that they gather around think about it i'm thinking about my kitchen table in the house of my youth I'm specifically thinking about my great-grandmother right now, Margaret Burchett. Meemaw, we called her. Meemaw, so we had, like, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we had big meals, big family. And Meemaw really liked the meals, and she loved to eat. And I remember her very last Christmas, 2004, my mother had gone way, like, extra and had really set the tables nice it was a really nice meal and mom and i noticed it too i didn't know what these were but mom had gotten these chargers i think that's what they're called and they sit under the plate they like are on the table and then you bring your plate and you put it on the charger and, it, and it's pretty and these were gold and the plates sat on top of them they coordinated color wise and it was just it's real nice well we look over at meemaw and she's got all her food on the charger And we, like, we didn't know much about Chargers, but we knew that wasn't what they were for. <laughs> and we kind of razzed her a little bit, but she wasn't phased. She just told us to hush. I can get more on this plate. <laughs> and she's sitting there at the kitchen table, just this little glass-top table, eating Christmas dinner. It's one of my last memories of her. Y'all, that table. So much happened around that table. So many conversations. So much laughter. So much sibling banter. I I had two younger brothers and we gave each other a hard time and we loved each other. I recall talking about College decisions around that table. I recall hurts revealed and soothed all around that table. I I recall questions, hard questions about one another around that table. I recall hard questions about God around that table. This simple glass top table which is so meaningful in my life precisely because of what took place around that table. In many ways I see the presence of God in my memories of that table. Verse 17, when evening came, when evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened and, and one by one said to him, surely you don't mean me. It was one. It is one of the twelve. He replied, "One who dips bread into the bowl with me." The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man! It would be better for him if he had not been born. Betrayal. They come to this secret location where nobody knows where they are, but. It's within the circle of Jesus' most trusted friends, those that he loved so dearly. It was treachery from within that put Jesus at the authority's mercy. And as Jesus prophesies around this table, this meal takes on considerable sadness. Mark's gospel reveals very early, as early as chapter 3, who the betrayer would be. Judas is called out. So there's no mystery in the narrative here. But the disciples around the table, they don't know who Jesus is talking about. And Mark lets us in on how they process what Jesus is telling them by letting us know that each of them to a man said, Surely you don't mean me. Surely you don't mean me. But it is one of them, one who, one who dips the bread in the sauce, one who, who think about that. That is, that is intimate. That is when you are with people that you love. One who's traveled everywhere with him, done everything with him, laughed, cried, laughed some more, witnessed the miracles that Jesus had done. For three years now, witnessed the teaching that Jesus had brought before them and wowed them over and over again as a man who taught with incredible authority, as if from God, because it was. This betrayer is not specified, and each disciple sits there and wonders if it's them. That's that's kind of strange, right? You should know if it's going to be you or not. But they weren't so sure. And the text leads us to think, it could have been any of them. And in some ways, I submit to you, it was each of them. In the same way that it can be you and me. In the same way that it is you and me. So this morning, can you see yourselves at the table? Can you see yourselves seated with the disciples? Imagine it. To sit with Jesus and to follow Jesus is to be asked to do hard things. It's to be asked to stay faithful always. And, and, and Judas wasn't. We know the stories. He went the way of the world because it is easier to go the way of the world. Acceptance comes in so many shapes and forms in the world, and it is easy to go the way of the world disciples making disciples which I hope you hear from us over and over again and I hope we hear it from you over and over again it's not something that we should ever say without trepidation because being a disciple is difficult we're not asking somebody to sign up for something that's not difficult it's just easy it's not easy to follow Jesus it's just better We're frail. I'm reminded of Rich. I love Rich Mullen's songs. He was was taken from us far too soon. I recall his song, We Are Not As Strong As We Think We Are. Listen to these words. We are frail. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Forged in the fires of human passion, choking on the fumes of selfish rage. And with these, our hells and our heavens so few inches apart. We must be awfully small, and not as strong as we think we are. I think Rich is exactly right. And when we lose our humility and we leave ourselves vulnerable. We sin. We, we do what we've been asked not to do. Or we leave undone what we've been asked to to do, what we should do. Like the rich young ruler was offered the entire kingdom, but he went away sad because he couldn't see that it was absolutely worth it. Or like the self-obsessed religious leaders who could not see for their own stuff the poor widow right in front of them in their midst. Fred Craddock tells of being in, in grad school at Vanderbilt. And he had, he had left his family his wife and his kids for a few days to come live on campus in a dorm room to study for his comprehensive new testament exams and he would study late into the night can resonate with that but around midnight each night preparing he would break the monotony and wander over to a all-night diner that was near campus and he would go in and he would have a grilled cheese sandwich and a cup of coffee as he describes it with the people of the night One night he walked in there and he noticed there was a man who he had not seen in there before. This is a little small diner, only bar top tables, no tables in the room, just stools. And he was sitting at the end of the bar, unserved, not being acknowledged. Fred had been, he had ordered and already gotten a refill on a cup of coffee and he noticed everybody else in the room had gotten their refill as well. The man at the end of the counter was black and gray-haired, and finally the cook went up to him and and, and said something, obviously taking his order, and whatever the man said back to him, the cook went to the grill and scraped up something very small and burnt off the grill top and threw it on a piece of bread and walked over to him, no no condiment, no napkin, and he handed it to him and the man gave him some money and he, he left the restaurant. And he took his seat on the curb outside the door that exited near the garbage dump. And he sat on the curb and ate his sandwich with nothing to season it but the salt and pepper from the asphalt. And thinking about this, Fred realized he he didn't do anything about it. He didn't protest to the cook. He didn't witness to the cook. He didn't go out on the curb. And sit with the man. He didn't do anything. He was too busy thinking about his exams. His New Testament exams. Do you recognize the irony in that? He just left the restaurant. And he walked back up the hill toward the dorm where he was staying. And off in the distance he heard a rooster crow. Verse 22, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Friends, this meal represents God's mercy And God's covenant that is strong enough, absolutely strong enough to abolish the betrayals that have torn the fabric of humanity. We are joined this morning to Jesus' body so that we, we may be given his eyes to see the very gaps that are in the world all around us. And not only see them, but respond to them. This supper joins us to God at a much deeper level of intimacy than all the betrayals that have taken place in our world's history tear at us. To take this meal is to announce our willingness to continue the life and work of Jesus through the very power of the Holy Spirit. This is how the kingdom is coming. When we have this meal together, we are clearly proclaiming that we live through Jesus' death. And I believe that we are being called this morning to ask, to be far less likely to ask, surely you don't mean me. And we are being called to be much more apt to clearly see that we are complicit in many ways in failing to follow Jesus as we have been called to. But people, hear me. That's not the last word. We are not forgiven based on whether or not we understand that we are supposed to follow Jesus. We are not forgiven by our actions in following Jesus. We are compelled, we are compelled to follow Jesus because we are forgiven. Because of what Christ has done, you are able to be a disciple and to make disciples. And hear me. We are invited to this table today through what Christ has done. This, this kitchen table for this extraordinarily meaningful meal. This morning we are going to receive these elements together. If you follow Christ, you are welcome at this table if I could ask the deacons who are going to assist us to take their place at these independent stations we're going to do this a little differently this morning Adam and Angie are going to come back up and fill the room with music there is no time within the next few minutes that you are supposed to visit one of these tables please consider what God may be asking you to consider during this time. Please come to one of these stations as you are led. If you follow Christ, please come to one of these stations as you are led. You will be served the elements and then we ask that you take them back to your seat and in a few moments, I will lead us in receiving the elements. This is your time. Use it in prayer Thanksgiving, be contrite if you need to be, ask for forgiveness if you have failed to do so thus far because God seeks, yearns to commune with you in these moments. And you can't do it if there's unconfessed sin. It just doesn't work. If there's something between you and I and we're going to go have a meal together, it's going to be weird. Don't hold on to that, whatever it is. The sin in your life, God wants it, and wants you not to bear that burden. The next few moments are yours. Visit these tables as you will. Would you pray with me, Lord? We praise you for for these this communion table. We praise you that you desire to be with us, that you have saved a seat for us and that there is nothing that we could ever do or have to do to earn that seat. Would you let us feel your love in the next few moments as we receive your body and your blood and as we remember what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do.